Hey everyone, this is Matt Harmon from the New York Red Bulls Radio Network. On this edition of Inside the Booth with Steve Jolly, we will break down the Red Bulls' latest win over FC Cincinnati, the importance of this homestand in the entire month of May, the upcoming game against the LA Galaxy, and Steve will unveil his list of the best ever DPs in Major League Soccer. Come on, Inside the Booth with Matt Harmon and Steve Jolly on the New York Red Bulls Radio Network. The homestand up and going for the New York Red Bulls. They play the second of three in a row with a win over Cincinnati last week. The L.A. Galaxy coming into town and then Montreal the following Wednesday. I say hello to my broadcast partner in the New York Red Bulls radio network, Steve Jolly. And Steve, we got a busy show here inside the booth for what will be this May edition. Let's recap the game against the FC Cincinnati side. That game took place uh, just last weekend. And it was an important one for New York when you think of it, right? And you think of for this team trying to get out of what was a five-game winless streak. This is a team that has high expectations, a lot of pride. But after a while, you, you lose games, you don't get points, you get that draw on Kansas City. It does wear on you a little bit as a player, right? Buddy, you're not even you know starting off with a nice hello. How are you doing? Haven't no, we're getting we're getting right into it. We're getting right into it today. It. All right, we must have a busy show. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, Red Bull has been um, frustrated a little bit relative to not getting the results that they wanted. Um, we talked about plenty of changes in the lineup and specific players and uh, and the need to get back to winning weight, especially at home. Uh, obviously, it was a big home win relative to, you know, from a historical perspective, getting that 100th win. Um, it was big in terms of, I think, how they performed, at least in the first half. Uh, we can debate on how they performed in the, in the second half, but in the first half, they looked sharp. And, uh, and what a heck of a goal by Connor Lake. When things aren't going well, what do you got to do? You got to rely on a defender to come up and score goals, right? Well, it was so interesting, and I like how you threw that in there as a former defender. Hey, Steve, did you happen to know who has the most goals as a defender in Metro Star Red Bull history? <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm sure there's plenty of people listening that will, uh, will be able to answer that. That's good. That's uh, a I, great I, trivia I, question I, <laughs> that Steve is hoping the answer ne- never changes. Never changes. Never, ever changes. I don't know how happy I am about Connor Lake scoring now. Now I think about it. Uh, there was there was really a lot to that game, and and I think you, if you go back to the draw in Kansas City, and you've got a Red Bull team which really needed points, and they were able to get a point at Children's Mercy Park. I think you could make the argument that in this little bit of a, of a tough stretch, the 45 minutes in the second half against Kansas City, and then the first 45 against Cincinnati, that's kind of the Red Bull team that we've become accustomed to seeing over the course of the last five seasons. I love the fact that we both have selective memory and we don't have to think about what happened in New, New England uh, a couple weeks ago. As we well, can get into that, was, that a little bit. We can dig into New England place. a little bit. It was a dark place for the announcer and a dark place maybe for the team. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, this team obviously came out with a lot of heart, a lot of passion uh, in that first 45 minutes against Cincinnati, and uh, and it was big. I mean, you got to think. I mean, Kaku was not playing. Uh, obviously, BWP wasn't playing. So this was a big game, and this was a really important three points that the team desperately needed. 
and the formation change, obviously, from Chris Armis going uh, to a little bit of a modified look. You bring in Amro Tarek. You start start Connor Laid. Alex Wheels back in the lineup as well. And I think you could look at all three of those guys and say they were really key and paramount, the goal notwithstanding from Laid, because that's an obvious part. Uh, but he playing on one side and Wheel playing on the other on those two wingbacks. And I know you love when those guys get forward and maybe the luxury of having three center backs really did kind of open things up and, and unlock the offense a little bit for New York. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, you got to come in Alex Muel, uh, being injured and coming back and, uh, and giving an honest effort there. Never easy. He wanted to, uh, to be involved in the game. Uh, he's been wanting desperately to get back on the field from his, uh, was it ankle injury, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And, uh, and he hops back on and he's involved in that, that one goal, a great pass, uh, that, uh, you know, I think White, Brian White, uh, headed down to uh, to Royer, who healed it back over to Connor Lade. So that was good to see. But you mentioned that that five-back system. I don't know if I can call it a full five-back system, but we definitely can say it's a three-back system in terms of Parker, Long, and Tark, who I think played an exceptional game, all three of those players. Uh, the luxury of playing in a three-back system, especially when you know that, you know, this team is going to play with only one up top, uh, Cincinnati, is that, that it kind of, you know, and lack of better way of saying it, it kind of dumbs down your responsibility. That's not to say that, uh, you know, they needed anything to be dumbed down. It's just it makes it easier in terms of, you know, the communication, the, you know, a four-back four system is a lot harder. You've got people running, you know, diagonal angles. And uh, in a three-back system, it's a little bit easier to kind of know your role and responsibility. It frees up Alex Wheel and Connor Lade to get forward. Um, I know that, uh, you know, for the first 15 or 20 minutes, I was getting out on Connor. I was like, listen, you know, Connor, you have that whole entire side. Get up there. Get forward. And next thing you know, he gets forward and, you know, puts a man. I watched that replay a couple times. And I, you know how much I love bringing up, uh, you know, defender scoring goals. But you have to admit, that was a darn good goal. That was fantastic. It was a it was a great goal at a much needed time. And as you had said a couple of times in the second half, maybe sometimes it's better to be lucky than good because an FC Cincinnati team that uh, hit the post twice, hit the crossbar once. Um, so they were really on the verge of – at least stealing a point, and some may say that they were uh, worthy of that. You know, I, I, the, one of the things that I thought about with this game um, after we had finished our broadcast, and we saw it in Kansas City from, I'll say, minus to plus because the second half much better than the first half was, and maybe in this game it's the opposite a little bit where the team struggled in the second half. What happens from one half to the next where you see teams either turn it on or – uh, make changes, and almost for New York, that that back three at times became a true back five with both Laid and Wheel dropping in, and then you brought in Mario and you brought in Kamar Lawrence. Um, you, you would think that, okay, we played really well in the first 45 minutes. Let's continue to, to play and do the same things we were doing. Is it you've got to credit the other team in Cincinnati for making adjustments, or uh, for New York, maybe they're they're still trying to find their way a little bit in this 2019 season? I think you hit, you know, right on. Um, I think it's a combination of uh, how Cincinnati came out in the second half and pushed the game a little bit more. Uh, they maintained possession and kind of dictate this pace of play a lot better than they did in the first half. And then, you know, how was, you know, Red Bull going to adjust to it? Um, you could, I mean, for me, uh, kind of tell 
of, of that entire game was listening to Robles after the game. I mean, you could literally hear in his voice how relieved he was uh, relative to, you know, things finally going their way per se uh, in, in this season. And, uh, you know, this is a team that obviously, you know, is talent, has a lot of success over the last couple of years. Things weren't going their way i.e. in the beginning of the year, sort of like what 2016 was like for this team. And they just needed something to kind of go their way because, you know, at the end of the day, and uh, and maybe this is a transition to some degree, but, uh, you know, you got one good 45 minutes, maybe not the best second half, but you're going to have to put two, two halves together when you play the LA Galaxy. Yeah, it is. The Galaxy will come in uh, this weekend on Saturday. It's an afternoon game at Red Bull Arena. Uh, big crowd is expected on hand. Obviously, you've got Zlatan Ibrahimovic coming in. And in our second segment, Steve and I will have some fun kind of looking back at the history of the designated player from 2007 forward and look at some of the guys who have really made those big impacts in that DP spot. Uh, so stick around for a second segment, and we'll dig into the Galaxy a little bit more. Steve, in terms of that formation change, we saw New York – and I'm going to say 3-3-3-1 three, 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 maybe would be the best way to describe it, although it morphs into different things during the course of it. So on the season, we've seen uh, the 4-2-3-1. We've seen a 3-3-3-1. Three, 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 we've seen a 4-1-4-1. Four, one, four, one, and you could make the argument at the end of the game in Mexico against Santos, maybe almost a 4-4-2 four, four, with a diamond in the middle. W- when you think of the personnel for this team, and I think with the addition of uh, Tarek, and it's a good time to maybe think about this, if you had to pick, what is the best way for this team to attack maybe the next couple of games going forward with L.A., with Montreal, then you go to Dallas, and the entire month of May, an important one for New York, and we'll talk about the rest of the month coming up in just a second, but you know maybe even the next two games of this homestand. You've got L.A., you've got Montreal, and you've got a team that looked pretty comfortable with Tarek and Parker and Long playing together. If you're Chris Armis, do you, do you ride that until maybe you need to make another change? Yeah, I think you do ride it. Um... You know, at the end of the day, you know, depending on, well, we know that Kaku is not going to be back next game. We, um, you know, we're waiting to hear about BWP, but uh, relative to, you know, getting a good result and, you know, getting the three points, and that's really all that kind of matters. Uh, the idea that uh, being a little bit better relative to, uh, you know, what they're trying to accomplish uh, in terms of just kind of solidifying that back line, not giving up goals. You've got an LA Galaxy team you know, that traditionally plays, you know, one up top was Lothar. Um, So having, you know, the three in the back probably make a lot of sense. They also have guys that like the run through. So Pontius, Legit, uh, sorry, Legit and uh, and Dos Santos are are obviously names that they're going to have to be conscious of. Um, And mentioning the three back system or the five back, whatever way you want to call it, uh, it's probably important to note that I think Sean Davis had an excellent game excellent game against Cincinnati one that I think he probably didn't get enough credit on he got the you know he had the the ability to kind of just sit in front of that back three and kind of you know just kind of just just clean up house and and that's kind of what the team needed and uh, and I think when you look at this LA Galaxy team and and the way the numbers that they come out at and and how they counterattack and uh, 
you know, I would think that they don't want to make too many changes, at least uh, relative to their game this weekend. All right, so let's transition a little bit and and talk a little bit more about this Galaxy team. You look at what they've done so far this season. Seven wins, a loss, and a draw. They have scored 15. They have given up eight, so plus seven in the goal differential. The one thing, partner, I think that is interesting when you look at this L.A. Galaxy team is they've only played three games on the road. They've played six so far at home. They're a perfect 6-0, and so credit them for taking advantage of things, but maybe it's a New York Red Bull team with a little bit more confidence after Cincinnati and an L.A. team which hasn't had to travel so much so far this year. Yeah, um, it's tough, uh, you know, because, yeah, they haven't traveled a lot this this year, uh, L.A. Galaxy, but they're playing with a lot of confidence. Uh, you look at how they kind of played against Ralph Salt Lake last game. Um, they should have probably put them away uh, a little earlier than they did. But uh, in saying that, they still, you know, put together, you know, their streak in terms of, you know, I don't think they've lost until since like, what, March 9th, if I'm not mistaken. You know, so this is a team that's playing with a lot of confidence. You see a guy like Pontius who uh, probably, you know, not a lot of people, you know, coming back from an injury, but with Alessandrina uh, being injured for the rest of the year, Pontius becomes, you know, a huge name and an important person for them. Um, you know, I, this is, it's hard to say. I mean, I don't know really what we're going to get other than the fact that this is a talented team. They're playing with a lot of confidence. Some, you know, have said that, you know, the two best teams are right now in Major League Soccer are both coming from L.A. So this is a big test. And, uh, you know, one, hopefully that uh, since we got that three points against Cincinnati, we come in with a lot of confidence and, uh, you know, and hopefully, you know, we got a, a BWP that can step in as well. But, um, you know, it's it's going to be an interesting match. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people there, you know, this weekend uh, to watch it because it's a great platform for, for soccer in this country. It's a great platform in terms of just two really good teams, good systems. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Well, we've talked about it a little bit already, uh, both on earlier editions of Inside the Booth and also uh, during the course of our Red Bull radio broadcast. This past week, I, I saw somebody's power rankings. And again, take those for what it's worth. But the top five teams after this week of play all in the West, and it was in order. LAFC, Galaxy, Seattle, FC Dallas, and Houston, all teams uh, that are in the Western Conference. That's your top five right now. And it has been a little bit of a talking point um, during the course, at least the early part of the season, that the Western Conference is extremely loaded. And if you could make the argument the last couple of years, the East has been better than the West. So far, at least, Steve, it's the West that has clearly been better than the East. Yeah, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we talk about the Galaxy and there's been some significant injuries or changes in DPs. A new coach, uh, you know, we probably, you know, have, you know, probably regret not to mention that as well. But they've been getting results, Galaxy. And uh, and that's kind of, if you look at, you know, form, you know, it's, it's, it's so easy to forget, you know, the bad games when you're still getting your three points. And you look at a team that's been unbeaten in the last seven games, six of those have been wins. Um, that says a lot. Uh, it says a lot that, you know, even when you're not playing well, you're getting results. Uh, that's huge. And uh, and when you think about this Galaxy team that, I mean, sorry, the Red Bull team that has you know, struggled of late, but finally, you know, that weight is off their back and off their chest. You know, do we see a, uh, a more dominating performance, at least for the total 90 minutes uh, from Red Bull? Um, because this is a huge, gigantic test for them. 
Big test uh, also uh, coming up over the course of the next few because if you look at it for this New York Red Bull team, and we'll finish our first segment with this, just the the month of May, and if you want to even include uh, the beginning of June in there, had Cincinnati last weekend. You've got L.A., then you've got Montreal, so a three-game homestand that you want to try and get max points if you can. You go to a very good FC Dallas team on May 12th. Then you've got Atlanta at home. Then you've got Vancouver at home uh, on the short week in which you'll play three in a week because FC Cincinnati, the return game, will be over Memorial Day weekend, and then Real Salt Lake on the 1st of June. So in that stretch, you've got essentially six of eight games at home. And if you're a team in New York, which has struggled so far in, in order to get momentum, to get points, to get on a little bit of a roll when you enter this game uh, against the Galaxy at 2-4-2, two, and two, it, it, I don't think it's overstating it, even though, Steve, it's, it is a long season and you're playing all the way through October and hopefully through November. Um, but when you have those big homestands, three in a row, six of eight, you've got to make sure that you take advantage of getting points because it's cliche to say, but the points in March, April, and May mean just as much essentially as they do in August, September, and October. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, we were sitting here last week saying that it was almost a a must win uh, for the Cincinnati game, right? And now we're going into a situation where we've got – you know, quite a few uh, home games and uh, and an away game with maybe not the strongest of teams there at Knightford Stadium in Cincinnati on May 25th. Um, you know, that's it's going to be a tall test being away at FC Dallas. So there is a string of games here where, you know, if we can, you know, do well, Red Bull, and, and get, you know, what is that, one, two, three, four, five, six games, if we can win four out of the six and maybe a tire here or there or maybe a good road um game uh, against you know Cincinnati or FC Dallas I mean you're talking about a whole nother season I mean now you're talking oh wait this Red Bull team is doing what we come become accustomed to seeing and that's getting results get your list ready because when we come back after this quick timeout Steve and I will talk about the designated player uh, rule instituted in 2007 when David Beckham came into the league and Uh, obviously it goes kind of hand-in-hand with Ibrahimovic coming into town. We'll have some fun talking about maybe the best DPs that Major League Soccer has had since 2007 all the way through this current 2019 season. We take a quick timeout. We come back and uh, get into our second segment. Matt Horman, Steve Jolly, you are inside the booth on the New York Red Bull Radio Network. Download the New York Red Bulls app today to stay up to date on everything New York Red Bulls. Buy, share, and scan your tickets. Get all the latest news and content and listen to New York Red Bulls radio in English and Spanish. Then flip to arena mode to find concessions near your location and get real-time answers from the Red Bulls chatbot. Available now on iOS and Android or visit NewYorkRedBulls.com for more information. We are back for our second segment. This is Inside the Booth. I'm Matt Harmon. My partner is Steve Jolly. We do the games on the New York Red Bull Radio Network. If you're listening to us here on our monthly podcast, be sure to subscribe, like, give a rating on either Apple, Google, Stitcher, however you listen to it. And obviously, for all things New York Red Bulls, go to our team website at NewYorkRedBulls.com. It is the LA Galaxy who come into town this week for New York, who are fresh off a one nothing win over FC Cincinnati and in the middle of a three-game homestand. Uh, Steve, this Galaxy team, which maybe was down over the course of a few seasons because it's been one of the premier teams 
in Major League Soccer since 1996. Their fortunes did change a year ago when they signed the Lions. Latan Ibrahimovic, he is one of kind of a, a long line of big-time designated players for the L.A. Galaxy franchise, starting obviously with uh, David Beckham, in, in which the rule kind of uh, started back in the 2007 season. So we decided we'd have a little bit of fun and maybe look back over the history of the DP and, and kind of throw out some of those names. I'm sure we won't get to all of them, um, but partner, I, I know for you, this this game, and you know, actually, well, you know what, we'll finish with that. I'll go back to where I was going to go. Let's talk about the DP, and um, you were part of, of the league when this kind of started and David Beckham came in 2007 and this new designated player thing was announced. What was kind of the, the idea of it, you think, and, and why the league went ahead and did it? Oh, man, Matt, that's a deep question. Uh, why did we do it? I mean, we did it essentially as a league because we saw the growth of the league, a league that in 2000 we thought might not even be around. And next thing you know, we were growing like crazy and uh, and there were some opportunities to bring some players in that really didn't fit into, you know, the current kind of rulings associated with, uh, you know, the salary cap and the way the league ran as a single entity league. And so there was an opportunity when the owners got together, when they wanted to spend some money for some players to uh, to get creative. And, and that is, I guess, you know, in lack of better way of saying it is why the, the, the league created the designated player rule that his nickname and its namesake is is the Beckham rule, right? It is the Beckham rule. And, um, you know, I, you know, you and I have talked about this so many times because you're so dialed into the history of the league. And you think in, in 2007, and, and I remember you saying like, okay, maybe the first couple of years you're kind of worrying like, is the league going to be there? Is it not going to be there after the first two, three seasons? What about around this time after, let's say, the 06 going into the 07, 08 season? Was there another one of those worries like, hey, we're not really sure – how much staying power this has, even though the league at that point had been around 10, 11 years. Um, I know I would not compare it to, you know, the way the league looked in, in 2000 with, uh, with us having as a league uh, to, uh, to remove uh, Tampa Bay and, and Miami from the league. Um, those were dark, dark times. And, and they were led quite frankly by, you know, a couple individuals like Mr. Kraft and Mr. Anschutz and Lamar Hunt, who uh, those three individuals probably, you know, when you look at the history of our league, we're going to go back to those three individuals stepping up and making some financial commitments. We use even other teams to help us kind of go uh, into another direction. And I think this is kind of the natural evolution. Um, I can actually recall. So I retired in 2006 and, and I worked for the league office. Uh, and I can actually recall sitting uh, with um, Don Garber and, and talking a little bit about their commitment in terms of what they were trying to do and what they were trying to create with the designated player role. And, uh, and when we look at it, especially because of the person we, uh, we nicknamed it through the Beckham rule. Um, I, I, I would say that, you know, that rule has to be one of the reasons why, and one of the big reasons uh, also with the admin of the stadiums and, uh, and new ownership, probably the big three uh, of why, this league is in a place that it is today, and uh, and it's pretty amazing to to think that you know there's a, a rule that was created to help bring in some some big names and high quality talents, not necessarily just big names, but high quality talents. Uh, you're starting to see more of that, and uh, and it started in you know in 2017, guaranteeing you know what six and a half million a year for five years uh, from the LA Galaxy for David Beckham. You think of it, Steve, boy, you just missed it, right? You retired in 2006. You could have been 
one of those first couple of United States DPs had you stuck around. I love your sarcasm, Matt. I appreciate it. Um, but um, we all know <laughs> that that was not going to happen. Not going to happen for me. I mean, really, when you think of it, the 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 rule itself was was kind of brought in to bring outside international talent into the United States. Yes, the the U.S. players have had uh, their fair share of of DPs along the way, but getting a Beckham. Um, and as, as we can maybe kind of look at guys that have had that big impact, um, it, I think the Galaxy are an interesting team, Steve, because they've had so many of those guys. They've got they've got Ibrahimovic now. They had Beckham. I think you'd be remiss if you didn't talk about Robbie Keane, right? I mean, he has to be one of the best DPs that the league has ever seen. Well, now you're just kind of ruining my surprise relative to my top 10 DPs. Um, you know, we want to make sure that people who are listening to this are, are going to be engaged. And I'm sure, you know, when you think about now, I think we're at like 114 DPs uh, in the history of the league from 2017 to today. So you can see the spending associated with the league now. Um, but when you talk about the Galaxy, obviously there's, you know, plenty of names there that, uh, you know, we're probably going to be talking about very shortly very very shortly uh relative to you know all-time greats at least in my top 10 list uh and sometimes i mean there's just there's so many variations so let's just let's just get into it right let's just get into uh some some people all right so robbie keen is on your list robbie keen is on my list but you're going a little too early here I'm, i want to start it back are, are like you going top 10 like top to bottom no, I'm not going to go one through ten. I'm just going to give you a ten, and I'm going to give you a reason being for that ten. Okay. And then I'm going to start it back old school to where when we start this uh, this this rule of the seven, transition to some of the newer guys and why I think it's important that uh, you know those players are, are on the list. And then you know we'll even kind of throw a curveball at the very end and say, what about those players that weren't defined as dps before 27 or 2007 who uh who who i think probably should be represented in some form or fashion that way all right i love it i'm gonna i'm just gonna let you take over you you can you can be in the spotlight right now and and run through some of the guys that you want to talk about so what do we do with this in relative to like the social media side should we do like uh should people when they hear this start uh, making their own list and, and sending it to us i think that would be uh, great our twitter feed i think um, that would be great you can engage uh you can engage either one of us um it, it's not hard to find steve he is at just jolly and for me i am at harman mt you can tag us with red bull radio or you can tag us with rbny we can and we can have some fun going back and forth between the podcast or during the course of our pregame show uh leading into the la galaxy game there you go so let's let's lead with a couple players right from the get-go in 2007 and with the theme of the la galaxy uh, i'm obviously going to start with the guy who started it all david beckham his two mls cups uh, from 2007 to 2012, he single-handedly has created, you know, a marketing brand. So, you know, with Major League Soccer, and to leave him off the list would be absolutely foolish. So, in 2007, we've got to include a David Beckham, but I'm also going to include two other people. Like I said, going with the LA Galaxy theme, uh, even though he played for the Columbus Crew and won an MLS Cup, he is now the coach of the LA Galaxy, and that's Scalotto. Uh, from 2007 to 2010, you're looking at one of the more dynamic midfielders the history of this league has ever seen. So I've got to give him on my list. So that's two. 
Um, and then uh, not going, um, we're going to do a, a big direction change relative to uh, the galaxy, but we're going to go over to the Chicago fire. And, uh, and I'm going to say Blanco, uh, as much as I didn't necessarily like him as a player per se, uh, just because he kind of annoyed me a little bit, but, uh, <laughs> he was still very talented. No question about that. And one of the better players, I think in the league's history, uh, from 2007 to 2009 in Chicago fire. And that's uh, Blanco. How about the first three there? Are you okay with those, I, those first I, three? I like them. And, and you know what? I, I, I like the fact uh, that you're you're spreading the love a little bit and you're going back to the kind of the earlier days of the DP because I, I think the one thing about the if you have this conversation, you're basically chopping the league's history in half, right? Because from 1996 to 2006, there was no DP. So it's something that I think for, for younger fans, they can have a little bit more of a feel for because it's, it's something that started in 2007. So please, Steve, continue. Well, and that's partly one of the reasons why I think it's important that we name a couple names before 2007. But I'm going to continue here and uh, and just kind of rolling with the the calendar and go into 2010. And uh, and we'd be remiss not to uh, to include a very very important person with Red Bull's history, and that's Thierry Henry, who came from 2010 to 2014, one of the more dynamic strikers the history of our league has ever seen. So he is included on my list which I'm sure there's going to be quite a few other people who are going to include him on the list. Uh, speaking of strikers, I'm going to go back to the Galaxy. And as you mentioned, it's Robbie Keane. Uh, three MLS Cups, if I'm not mistaken. Um, what is that? 104 goals in 165 games. Uh, so from 2011 to 2016, Robbie Keane uh, was something special. And he was an absolute blast to watch. Um, so that's number five. Let's see where I'm going to go with this one. I'm going to go in 2013. He didn't start as a DP, but now he is a DP. And I'm going back to the Red Bull, and that's uh, Bradley Ray Phillips, BWP. Hard to, goal score. Hard to argue uh, if you use the, the word productivity. It's hard to argue that he's not on the list. Yeah, you'd be uh, you'd be a moron not to include it. I mean, he is for me, uh, you know, the biggest name and uh, and performance and and just he's a special person. And he's a special player, and we're very lucky to have him associate with Red Bull in any capacity. Um, another player that might be surprised for some people's list, but I think he is definitely one of my personal faves since 2013, and that's Valeri, Diego Valeri. Um, man. Um, you think about the 2017 MLS MVP. You think about him getting an MLS Cup. Um, he is something special, to say the least, there in Portland, and uh, and he is included on my list. Um, so that, yeah, I mean, I just I I'm a big fan of Valeri, and I would w- want nothing more than to have him representing Red Bull in some capacity. But I don't see that happening anytime soon. Okay, uh, and I think I think if you're looking to at, at even some more current guys. Um, dare I say that we should bring somebody that wore a blue uniform for a couple of seasons in Major League Soccer? Oh, you went there, and I was going there too. Um, and that's obviously Mr. Villa uh, with NYCFC. Uh, I think it was what I read, 66, 67 goals, something like that, in 100-plus games. Uh, so for 2014 to 2018, the guy on the other side of the Hudson is definitely on my list, and I have him as, if I'm not mistaken, number eight. So I have two more players to include, uh, and I will reiterate this was a miserable experience, just 
limiting it to 10. And that's partly one of the reasons why I hope people are engaged on the social media with us to, uh, to name a couple others. Uh, but I'm going to keep on going to what might be my favorite player, at least my son's, maybe my son's favorite player as well. Uh, hasn't played for uh, any team this year, but he played for the Toronto FC. And that is Mr. Jovenko. 2015 to 2018, Jovinko, I think, has to be one of the more exciting players that our league's ever seen. Small in statue, but big in, in game. And uh, so I'm going to go up to, uh, you know, the attic of America, Canada, and say, man, they had something special in that attic, and that's Jovinko. All right, so if that's nine, the 10th the spot, I would imagine you've got a ton of names that could probably be considered. And, uh, yeah, so... I'll tell you who I put on my list, and then I'll extend that to names that maybe might be included sooner rather than later for some other players. And that's uh, obviously Zlatan Ibrahimovic is my number 10. Um, you can never question his ability to score goals and his big personality, uh, which I think is probably very important in a market like L.A. So between um, so many new names, like, man, you know, maybe if Almiron had stayed a little longer, would he be on that list? Uh, Wayne Rooney and seeing what he's done in DC United, uh, Carlos Vela and uh, in LAFC, could that be another DP that could change the history of our league? Uh, maybe, but uh, I'm going to go with uh, Mr. Ibrahimovic with right. my number 10 spot. All right. I like it. I like it. I think there's a lot of uh, variety in there. You know, the one thing, and I know this will, will probably hit home with you, uh, a little bit is you think of the DP spot and it's generally regarded as a midfield offensive minded kind of player acquisition. There's not a ton of defenders. Uh, Tim Howard, an exception this year is as a goalkeeper, but it's usually for guys who can put the ball in the back of the net. Yes, it is guys that put it back on that. And the one thing that I'm hoping in, and I'm thinking that are probably going to, the one person who I think most people are going to probably come at me with. And uh, it needs to be mentioned on this list because it was kind of a curveball for me and probably should be included. And uh, and I put an asterisk next to him as obviously a number, you know, one of the 10 you know, most important players in the history of our league. And that's obviously Landon Donovan, another Galaxy theme. Because when he came back from the 2010 season, he was deemed a DP for until 2014 for for that uh, LA Galaxy team. So Landon Donovan, I'll put an asterisk next to you. You deserve to be in the top 10, um, but it's tough. I, I just it's hard to like kind of. I'm doing it more of a traditional sense to DP as opposed to a Landon Donovan, who basically was an extreme talent before we had quote unquote the DPS, uh, and that includes what I think I call my my. I guess, American-themed DPs that you can't forget in terms of what they've done as uh, American players and what they're doing in Major League Soccer. And just to name a few, guys like um, Demarcus Beasley, DP at one point, when he came back from Puebla. Michael Bradley, you mentioned Tim Howard. Josie Altador. How about Claudia Reina in 2007? He only played, what, one year? But, man, what a talent he was. Uh, so those are little, you know, curveballs and little asterisks. And I went up with another one on the Canadian side, Dwayne De Rosario. What a player throughout the course of his career. Wasn't deemed as a, quote-unquote, DP for, for all of it. But uh, he definitely, at one point, 
fortunately for him, when the uh, paychecks came, he was a DP. Yeah, I think I think too. You throw in, I mean, again, using productivity as kind of a guideline. Chris Wondolowski, a guy who has done so well for the league in terms of scoring, putting balls in the back of the net. Juan Pablo Angel for the Red Bulls um, in the early stages of that DP rule. He was a guy that signed in 2007 uh, and became a designated player as well. So there's there's so many guys. Plus, Steve, as as we already said, and and just to reiterate, you're you're negating guys that were tremendous in the league from 1996 all the way to 2006. Had the DP rule been around, uh, you'd have a whole other list of guys. A long list. And then you'd probably start moving away from the, the Galaxy names and start throwing in some uh, some guys uh, from maybe the DC United era when you guys got... How about Echeverry? Yeah, if you, and that's what I want to mention is that, like, okay, younger people who might be listening to this podcast, go on YouTube and check out Marco Echeverry. Oh, man, was he not something special to say the least. And then, although he had a brief kind of stop here, at uh, New York Red Bull. I would also say Jaime Moreno would be up there as one of those players. Uh, Another player that had some time here and played next to me, um, Eddie Pope, uh, would be a DP quality player. Um, Man, so there were so many names, especially in the first couple years for DC United. All right, let's finish with a great job, by the way, partner. That was a tremendous list, and and you uh, did it um, right on point. I I, I love the direction. I love when we put you on the spotlight a little bit and let you kind of have that platform to talk. Great job. Um, let's, Let's talk real quick and one last point about this game specifically, the L.A. Galaxy and the New York Red Bulls. Uh, it's East versus West. It's a Red Bull team trying to win their second in a row. The Galaxy trying to keep what has been a good role going. I am going to dub it the Steve Jolly game because it's a it's got to be a game that when you see these teams play, it's got to have some special meaning because you started your career with the Galaxy, you played for the Metro Stars, you ended your career with the Red Bulls, and you have been on record of saying uh, Los Angeles and New York, two of your very favorite places in major league soccer because you were able to make a pretty nice career for yourself uh with stops along the way at both yeah they do have a special meaning for me i mean i was fortunate enough to spend my first three seasons and be drafted to the la galaxy so they'll obviously you know be a special place in my heart for the galaxy i spent most of my career obviously between you know red bull and metro stars so um you know these two teams and you know the players and the people associated with the teams, I know very well. The staffs, I know very well. And uh, no, I always look forward to this game, uh, most definitely. Um, but we have failed to mention something. Now that I'm talking about, I I went and I thought this was a good one in terms of, and I, maybe I'll throw some controversy. I think it's always important to throw a, a little bit of controversy in your uh, in your podcast. And I went with my least favorite, my personal, oh, personal, oh, oh, okay, quote, end quote quote, end quote, my personal least favorite DP. And that is from 2010 to 2012, (laughs) Rafa Marquez. Sorry, I know he played for Red Bull, but uh, for me, he just, uh, man, he drove me crazy. He didn't do it for you, huh? He did not do it for me. So I apologize to any Rafa Marquez fans out there. Um, I got to tell you, I'm not too, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. Uh, (laughs) But he is my personal least favorite DP. Uh 
uh, of the 114 plus DPs in our history. All right, partner. I, I like that you got your last parting shot in there. I had to. I had to get it in. Okay, Sorry, that's fine. I'm I'm okay yeah. with it. I'm okay with it. Looking forward to seeing you uh, this weekend. Should be a great atmosphere at Red Bull Arena. Obviously, for those listening to us, make sure that you get out to Harrison uh, this week. You can bring a pair of headphones with you. You can listen to Steve and I while you sit and enjoy what should be a great atmosphere on Saturday. Steve, as always, uh, appreciate it. It's always good to talk and, and go through some of this stuff with with you and look forward to doing it again next month. Yeah, most definitely. And I, we should probably uh, preface uh, going forward that we're going to have some special guests that, uh, you know, I think is going to be a lot of fun for both you and I and for uh, people who are turning in and making sure that they listen to us every month. Yeah, we've got some special editions of Inside the Booth coming up for you over the course of the next couple of weeks. For Steve Jolly, I'm Matt Harmon. Again, be sure to subscribe, like, rate, and review us on what we do here uh, with Inside the Booth. Our players only, our coaches one as well. We will see you this weekend at the arena. Again, thanks so much for your time and your support. For Steve, I'm Matt. Thanks again for listening to us Inside the Booth. We'll see you next time.